First um, John 1, 1 to 7, reading from the New Living Translation. I read, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal and who has eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we align if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, Cleanses us from all sin. The word of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God. And to sing with such confidence that you are a child of God. And it's good to know. And that you are no longer a slave. So you are trying to make my preaching this morning a little bit difficult. Uh, because, anyway, it's God's word. Lord, bless the reading of your word. And it's impact on our lives to the glory of Jesus, our only Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns forevermore. Amen. Today our message is titled, Dwelling or Abiding in Christ. And simply put, if you talk about dwelling in Christ or abiding in Christ, it is taken from the picture of a building. You are in this building and therefore you are confined. There are Four doors or five doors when you want to go out. You go out in a certain way. You come back in a certain way. If you want to pass through the roof, you are out of order. If you can even go through there. So dwelling in Christ is what the Apostle John is encouraging us to do. To dwell in Christ. And that's the basic meaning of dwelling in Christ and abiding in Christ. And John was the last disciple of Jesus Christ to live or to die. And he had watched the number of things that happened in the Christian world and how things were changing very rapidly. So he writes this letter to be sure that you and I, we are joyful in the Lord. Because there are some who think that the Lord has set them free and it is free to do anything. Free to misbehave, free to smuggle, free to doubt the Lord, free to just please themselves. And he's saying, these things will not happen. If you dwell in any house, there are rules when, particularly those who go to boarding house, when to wake up, when to do this, when to do that. But if you take that liberty to be licensed, you may not get it. So why did he write the book? We write to make our joy complete in you. What they taught them. If disciples listen, if Christians listen, and they follow by abiding in Christ, by doing the thing that Christ wants them to do, they will be joyful. And joy is a gift that comes from God. It comes from inside. It doesn't come from the things that are around you. So you can be going through all kinds of troubles and challenges. 
There may be no answers to your prayer or the things you want, you may not have them. But that peace that passes every understanding will be in your heart and people will ask you, what is it? So the basic idea of abiding in Christ is that of dwelling. It is just dwelling like dwelling in the house. We are to dwell in Christ. It is the kind of dwelling that makes you imitate him. You want to be like him. He lived a righteous life. He lived as a kind man. He lived as a bold person. He lived as a miracle worker. He lived as obedient to God. And that is what we say when we are dwelling or when we are to abide in Christ. So when we read and say abide in Christ, dwell in him, say be like him, imitate him. When you are with somebody, after a while, you try to be like the person and do the kind of thing that the person would do that will make you look like you really, really, you are an insider. Now the youth, this is a joint service. The youth like a lot of things. They call them uh, Q&A, question and answers. Uh, by the way, when I saw this young man uh, firing left and right, I was looking at him. He reminded me of where I was preaching last week. And uh, the second service there was youth service. And the one leading the service was dressed like the one who is leading the service today. The one who was reading the scripture was dressed like the one who is reading the scripture today. And the kind of things he was saying were just the same. So I thought, wow, I didn't move too far away from last week. But you see, they call it a family service. And I was so intrigued because in a family, in dwelling in a family, we have the young, we have the old, we have the aged. If the, the, the ones we lack here are the infants. So Ashashi, well, before we started the family service, the children, the toddlers, some started knocking at each other's head. So I started crying. So I went to them and said, you don't do that. But in the family service I saw, those toddlers were sitting with their parents and they told them, you don't do that, you don't do that, you don't do that. Then the young ones were laughing. The older one said, please, you don't laugh at those ones. You teach them. And then when they brought the dress like this, I was laughing. And I reminded them, if you don't want young ones to lead our services and we don't accept them, the church will be full of elderly people and when you start singing your song because you cannot sing their songs, when you are singing your songs, by the time you finish, you'll be asleep. And when they are singing your songs and you say, you are bored, you are bored, you are bored, they will leave and go and sing it in the disco. And then they will go and join people who will sing songs and sing in such a way that bullets will be flying in those places. <laughs> oh, have I said something? <laughs> uh, oh, what, what did you hear? You didn't hear anything. Okay, so at least when we dwell together in the house of God, we know we are a family. As the same guy in the Sotu, Sotu, Sotu Baba. We are a different type of people, but we are a family. So the question and answer is, how do you behave to show that you are? How would I know that somebody is dwelling in God's house? That is the question. The question is, what shows I'm dwelling in Christ? And the answer is the way. The way you behave, the way you behave shows it, whether you are a child of God, whether you are dwelling in him or not. So your behavior towards God and people will show whether you are dwelling or abiding in Christ. 
The Bible is a very, very practical book. It says a lot of things that are big, 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 but it always reduces it down for you and I to know. As somebody say, Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. You heard it before. So can you repeat it after me? What is Bible? Basic instructions before leaving earth. So when you go to heaven, do you need a Bible? You don't. Where do you need it? Here. And what type of instruction are you giving? Basic. 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 The complicated ones, you don't worry about them. That one, step by step, the Lord will teach you. So you behave towards God and people in such a way that people will look, oh, this person is dwelling in Christ. This person is abiding in Christ. And Christ is leading you gradually to who he wants you to be. How do you do that? How do you behave towards God and people? Abiding in Christ means a number of things. But this morning, we have time for about six or seven basic ones. The first one, to dwell in Christ, to abide in him, to stay in him. The very first, first, first basic one is receiving him as your Lord and Savior. You become a relative of Christ. Christ becomes part of you. And you are part of him. Look at how he puts it. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's his, he inviting you. Isn't it amazing that the Lord made you, but he doesn't force himself on you. Say, so I stand and I'm knocking. And how does he knock? You came here, you saw people, they are dancing and clapping, they have joy, you don't have it. I'm preaching now, something will be said that will prick you. An outer car will be made. If you're wondering, or you slept last night, you didn't sleep very well, and the Lord God is telling you, draw closer to me. Or somebody has been witnessing, talking to you. And the Lord is saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. He is standing outside. And who has the key to your life? Who has the key? You. I can't believe you. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, and you open the door, I will come in. I mean, the Lord who made you is saying, you open the door before I come in. Ah, if I go back to my house, the house I, I claim it is mine, and maybe somebody's there, he says he has locked the door one, two, three, four times, and he's not opening the door. If I become angry because I am hungry, what will I do to the door? Oh, don't tell me, don't tell me. What will you do to your door? <laughs> but this is your life. And that's the amazing thing about the gospel. Christ does not force anybody. So to dwell in you, it is at your invitation. Hallelujah. Have you invited him in? Have you? If not, today, he's here, knocking at your door. Because he wants everybody to come in. He's so generous that he has room for everybody and anybody. Young, old, short, tall, fat, rich, poor. He has room for everybody. Ask somebody, are you in? Are you in? I tell her I am in. And we have to be together. Hallelujah. So receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is the basic one. Then number two. Are you continuing in the way of Christ? To know him and to know the truth. Yes, you can come in. When we say you are born, you are born again. You come in, you are a baby, you are crawling. 
You come in with your sin, with your shortcomings, with everything, and you come. But the Lord says, come, and I will teach you how to grow. Continue in the word, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And which one is the word? The word may be what I'm preaching, but the word for you and I who are in English service means reading the Bible, which is, can you tell me what Bible is again? Basic instructions before leaving earth. You read it, so you know the instruction, how to turn to your left and right. And the reason why I love God's word is this, and I've said it over and over again. God's word, I mean, it's like no other word that I know. He tells you the beginning, the end. He tells you what the exam will be. He leaks the answer to you. He tells you the past mark. You say, look, I was in prison. You visited me. I was hungry. You fed me. Uh, you tell the story of the good Samaritan. He will show you all kinds of things. And he will show you how he forgave your sins. He will tell you, look, you people, if somebody has sinned against you, 70 times 7, forgive them. Then he tells you, if you do not forgive people their sins, your heavenly father will not what? Will not forgive your sins. So that man, he said, for me, I'll never forgive my grandfather. I said, but you're a Christian. He said, yes. You pray. Yes, I pray. But when I get to that place, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. I don't say it. No, I said, oh, you don't say it. Really? When you get there, you don't say it. If you don't say it, does it mean that it is not in the book? So if I look at my watch, oh, and now it is 5 a.m. Is it the time that is wrong or my watch that is wrong? Something is wrong. So, continue in his word and know his word. And I want to challenge particularly Calvarians. And particularly the youth. If not all of us. Please, study the word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A child of God who does not need to be Ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes when I see some people coming to church, or when they produce their Bible, or you ask them certain questions, the way they answer, and it surprises me that they don't even know anything, or they don't know much, because they are not studying. But the same people, if you ask them questions about calculus, or physics, or arsenal, or UEFA, or Kotoko, or Hass, they can remember things from 1911. They can remember when Haas was born, where they were. Arsenal, who is the richest person in this and that. They remember all of those things. But when you ask them, John 3.16, yes? What is in John 3.17? Uh, let me just find out. How many scriptural verses do you know? You don't know it. Zephaniah chapter 47 verse 2. Then they'll start opening the Bible. What are you opening? Zephaniah 47 2. You don't even know that it is not there. They remind me when we went to school, we went to six months. It was so interesting. There was this teacher, somebody who was talking about tomato factory in Pualugu. Then somebody asked him, what is Pualugu? He said, look, when you went to school, instead of studying geography, you were there jumping and laughing and smiling and doing all kinds of things. When they say Pualugu, instead of asking where is Pualugu, you say, what is Pualugu? Pualugu is a goat. <laughs> Pualugu, because he don't even know. Since he don't know whether it's a town or a goat or a pig, he said Pualugu is a goat. Alright, so some of us, because we are not learning and abiding and knowing the truth, people will tell you lies. 
John 8, 31 and 32. Can we read it together? He said to the people, eh, let's read it together. He said to the people who, do, who did what? Who believed in him. Eh? What did he say? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is to his disciples. Dwelling in him means dwelling in his word, knowing the truth and the truth will set you free. A word to the wise is in the south. Thank you. The next one, continuing in his word. A person experiences the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The kind of things that we are going through, that we'll be looking at. The kind of life that Christ expects you to live. Without his empowerment, you cannot, you cannot, you will fail. But he said, I will send you my spirit. And my spirit will lead you into all truth. He will guide you. So the spirit of God lives within you. He guides you. Some call it infilling of the spirit. Some call it baptism of the spirit. Some call it zapping in the spirit. Some call it all kinds of things. I'm not talking about terminology. What I'm talking about is the fact that when you receive Christ, he comes to live within you. So if you're a fundamentalist or evangelical, he says, be filled with the spirit. If you are Pentecostal charismatic, they say be filled with the spirit means speak in tongues. Whatever it is, whatever you understand it to mean, he say, let the spirit of God control you. Hear, learn to hear his voice to say yes or to say no. Does God speak to you? When you sin against God, does he speak to you? When you are chasing somebody's husband or wife, are you able to sleep and snore and come to church and go and nothing happens to you? Then it means you are dead. Does something happen to you? Does the spirit wake you up and say pray? Does the spirit do something about you? We know that we live in him and he lives in us because he has given us his spirit. And that spirit is more sensitive than alarm bell. He rings. He rings. He rings. And some people, they showed to me again, I carried a man this week. He sat in the car. We were going. Put on the seat belt. He refused. Put it on. He refused. His stomach was bigger than mine, so I understood why he would not put on the seat belt. So the alarm kept ringing, ringing, ringing. We got to a point, the alarm mysteriously stopped. So I said, what happened to the alarm? So some of these cars, the alarm, when you ignore it for a while, it stops. And I said, yay, that will preach. He said, what? He said, that will preach. I said, it will preach because one, if we have an accident now, it is you who go through the windshield and fall on the road. I said, what? Is that what you are saying, pastor? I said, yes. That is why the seatbelt is there to help you. But since you decided for the sake of your stomach or whatever, or it's too big, you won't. When it happens, you go to the roof. Then I said, when you read Romans chapter 1, verses 16, 17, 18, said, the truth, the truth about God is known to them. But they hardened their heart. They hardened their mind. They won't listen. They won't listen. And so God did what? God gave them up. Wow. God gave them up. Does God give people up? Yes. He doesn't force you. Revelation 3.20, I stand and I knock, open and I come in. We'll stop like friends. I'm warning you. Spirit is talking to you. You are deaf. You are blind. 
Ask Michael West. They asked Michael West, Michael West dictionary. When we we're going to school, that was a popular dictionary. Where's a blind man? A blind man is a man who cannot see. Say, so, uh, that is obvious. But another definition of a blind man is a man who refuses to see. The, another definition of a man who is deaf is a man who does not want to hear. And so, whether it is true or not, we read on the internet about a man who said he was deaf, and the wife thought she was, he was deaf, and then he was also blind. So he lived with the wife, and all the day of their lives, he was accompanying the wife and doing everything that the wife wanted him to do. And they didn't converse because the man was deaf, and he was dumb, and he was blind. Finally, the wife died. And a friend came to him and tried to give him sign language. So we know you loved your wife. You were always accompanying her. It would be a very, very difficult time for you. Then to the man and said, who told you I'm deaf? And who told you I'm blind? That woman was such a character. After a while, I decided I won't talk. And I won't see. I won't say anything. So I was only acting. Look, they threw the cane away. And then he started walking normally. Hello. Whether it is true or not, there are some people who are like that. They are then so blind as those who, want to, who don't want to see. White is black and black is white. After a while, they get confused. They don't know whether it was black or white. A person experiences the indwelling of the spirit to prompt you, to guide you, to lead you. Because you are dwelling in God. You say you are his child. He said, my spirit will not strive with you forever. Today, if you are like that, change your mind. And say, Lord, I want to dwell with you. I want to live with you. I want to be a child in your house. That you can melt me, mold me, fill me, and use me. Hallelujah. How do you dwell in him? Number four. The person who is abiding it means that that person dwells in him and he has fellowship with him and fellowship with other believers. He has fellowship with other believers. Christ has told us over and over again, you cannot say you love God and you don't love human beings. The professor who taught me in church, he said church would have been a very nice place if there were no human beings in church. And I agreed with him. Church would be very beautiful if there were no human beings. If only there were chairs, I get angry with the chairs, I just go and knock the chair, and they won't say anything. But there are human beings in church. They will never, some will agree with you, some will not agree with you. No, no, I'm not talking about Calvary. Look, I've enjoyed some tremendous prayer support and cooperation from Calvary Baptist Church. So thank God. That's why I've survived. Even though some have money to clear my hair, but I still have a few that I can comb. But, uh, but what he's saying here is this. Look, if you are abiding in Christ. It means that person dwells in love and in unity and fellowship with all other believers. There's nowhere in this world that you can live alone and be an island. So whether people like you or not, whether you like them or not, when Christ has given birth to you and you are in fellowship, you are to learn to live in fellowship with others. Because sometimes those who criticize you are your unpaid consultants. They will tell you, look here, look at this, do this and that. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, 
God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Some will rob you off the wrong way. Some will correct you. You are supposed to speak the truth in love. Some will speak the truth not in love and to be like hammer. They put it on your head, blind. But would you have the grace to receive it and learn from it? It doesn't mean that you should go around bashing people with a hammer because one day when they do it to you, then you will know it is different. But you are not supposed to do that. Take the next one. He says, for instance, how would we know that you are a child of God? When you are bearing fruit and your life shows you are living fruitfully. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me or he who dwells in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you cannot do anything. We just prayed for people this morning and commissioned them. Those who say they have the gift of evangelism. Or they are gifted evangelists. And we're trying to see what other gifts people have. But you see, giftedness, the gift that God has given you, does not mean you deserve the gift. Or it doesn't even mean that you are mature. Because you can give a gift to somebody who is immature. If you will help me, maybe like the congregation where I just came from, I ask them, when you go to campuses, the university or SHS, when you see some of your mates driving cars and they press the brake and you have and you spill the smoke, whose car do you think they are driving? Their own car? No, no, not their own car, whose car? Maybe their father? Or their mother's car. Because you won't, you won't buy a car, put fuel in it, buy tire, you know how much it costs, and be driving like that. Now, those who go to party, bonyo party, dead party, and you see them, they have their bags ready, and they collect all you can eat. And after eating, they take a plastic bag, they pour in the beer, they pour in the coke, they drink the Guinness and they squeeze their faces. Whose food are they eating? Who? 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 Yours? Eh? When you see people, when they pack the food and they, they look at the food and say, Yes. You just say, Can you eat this? You say, Pastor, not by might, not by power, but by strategy. That I am eating not only for today, but for tomorrow. They are eating at your expense. But that same person, when he goes somewhere, the food that he ate, he likes it very much. So where did you buy it from? And you show him the restaurant. And he walks to that restaurant and say, how much is a plate? He said, this one is 70 Ghana cities. He said, 70. He said, please, do you have a portion for children? <laughs> say, yeah, I just have a child in my house. And I <laughs> my wife just needs it to take some medicine. So please, can you just give me a chicken wing? Or chicken thigh. She just wants to taste it. So they give the chicken wing and chicken thigh to him. Can you just add a little bit of rice so that uh, they go out? Then he has paid 10 CDs. Because, ah, what type of food is this 10 CDs? But when he was eating, somebody's free. He didn't know that. <laughs> you eat and eat. One day I went to a restaurant in London. I was so, I was so amazed. So you can eat all. But when you leave some in the plate, we will weigh it and you will pay the difference. I said, yeah, they should bring that to Ghana. (laughs) 
If you can eat or eat, but what is left in the plate, they will wait and then they give a rate for how much it costs. So when people go, you Charlie, either you eat well or you pay for the balance. But God says, look, the gift, the gift does not show maturity. It only shows that God has given you the gift. But what shows whether you are abiding and dwelling and becoming like Christ is whether you are bearing fruit or not. So you cannot plant a tree, mango tree, all things being equal. I mean, if you are planting mushrooms, I mean, in a few days you can harvest it. But let's say a fruit tree. You may not get a fruit in one year, two years, three years, five years. And I know this deacon, I was telling him, I was asking him, the fruit, the mango tree in his house, when he started bearing fruit after four years, the first year, he bought one, one, one mango. And everybody gathered it correct. Second year, he bought two. So what type of tree is it? Third year, three. The fourth year, they couldn't count. That's when they started sharing. What's the lesson it takes where? It takes a long time to bear fruit. Now, what is the fruit of the spirit that you and I who are dwelling in Christ must bear? You see, the good news is that Jesus saves you the way you are. But the great news is that what? He does not leave you that way. He wants to work on you. You are under construction. He wants to work on you, coach you, lead you, guide you. till you are bearing fruit. And what are the fruit? Can we say them together? But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no, no law. So there are three gifts that abide. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Because you don't, when you go to heaven, you don't need faith there. Hope, when the heaven is fulfilled, you don't need it. But those you love, those you have planted your life in, they are the ones that have tested you and you've shown that you have overcome. And so, look at this. I'll take the last one. Maturity. So once upon a time, and I, uh, there, there was a very nice talk here. So there was this forum that we had there. Those days, maybe we have to have it one of these fine days. We had a, we call it a phone in. So this, the sermon, we have uh, people sitting down here, then the people phone in and they ask questions. So there was this young man. He was surprised after 20 years I identified him today. He said, look, I want to know, I want to know. You people are talking about staying pure, staying chaste, saying that true love waits. Look, I want you to know that he was holding his zip and all that thing. That you see, but he not be firewood. So when you become a youth, when you become youth, the fire is in you and it is burning. It is burning within you as a boy. It is burning in you as a girl. And you must, you want to do it because that one too is a gift from God. Well, he said it. The room was quiet. Then I was trying to get angry and embarrassed because the doctor was, uh, we invited him from outside and to get your energetic youth in a tongue-speaking, water-drinking church, talking like that publicly. I said, Charlie, oh, he said, Pastor, you wait. I'll handle him. So he said, young man, come here. Young man, please, uh, stand here. Uh, I think you feel like urinating. Can you urinate here? The man, the man said, oh, how? I can't do it here. He said, why? So, there are people here. He said, oh, but if you have a sheep, a goat, a dog, can they urinate here? It's so free, they can do it. So you, I say you are, you are uh, the thing, I can feel that you want to do it. Where will you do it? So I have to go out and do it. Why won't you do it? Because 
We say it's natural. How do we call those things? If you want to pee pee or you want to Google or you want to, how do we call it? We call it what? Nature's call. So if it's nature's call, and yet you don't want to do it here because there are people here and you want to go outside, it means you can control it. And the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is what? Self-control. So do you get it? And so, okay, now I get it. Young man, do you get it? So don't let people fool you. Yes, God has made you in his image. He's coaching you. He has laws. He has regulations. And they are all meant for your good. Because there are some who that one indiscretion has given you HIV, AIDS, sexually transmitted diseases, a child that you can't take care of. And I keep telling people that the fastest way to become poor for a very long time is a child giving birth to a child and the two children cannot take care of each other. The mother is a child. The, the child is a child and the grandmother is a child three generations all below 35 and they will live forever in poverty no matter what they complain about may god have mercy on you so when god gives his laws and say wait he means wait and so when he's coaching you and leading you and guiding you he's teaching you self-control patience goodness love and all these things so that you abide in him and at the right time you are honored and honored properly. Hallelujah. Let somebody say amen. Right. Number six. How do you know you are dwelling and you are abiding in him? You continue the fellowship of the brethren. You continue to be in church. Church. Church is not a perfect place. I've gone to many places. People ask me, are you a pastor? You go to church. Church is a very bad place. So church is full of hypocrites, full of liars. And I say, yeah, that's why I go to church. The lady said, well, you go to church because they are hypocrites and they are liars. I said, yes. So then why do you go there? I thought you were a reverend minister. I said, yeah, I'm a reverend minister, but who told you I'm perfect? He said, but no, I don't get it. I said, you won't get it. He said, look, when your car is dirty, where do you send it? He said, I send it to car wash. I said, church is like car wash. You go there and the Lord washes you with his word. Eh, when the clothes are dirty, where do you take it? He said, I take it to the laundry. Yes, you go there and the Lord washes you. People correct you. You hear the word of God by the renewing and the cleansing. But there are some, it comes to a time when they say, I don't want any of this and they leave. Now when they say continues in the church and has not gone out from the church and fellowship. I'm not talking about people who live like, let me they leave Calvary and go to Pentecost or they go to a church in the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. But there are some people, when they leave they either go to Tigari or they go to beer or they go to disco and all those things. And he's saying something very, very important for us to note. Because sometimes we waste our time and energy of knowing that we are fighting some battle. First John 2.19. These people left our churches. Let's read it together. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us when they left it proved that they did not belong with us. There are people who leave church because they do not belong. Oh, I know it. How do you know it? When we were students, we used to bring people from Legon to this place. First trip, second trip, third trip. We were doing it till the, the number was growing. Then we decided, let's start a church on campus. So we went back to go invite people. Oh, can we come to church? Can we come to, can you now come to Legon Hall? The church is near you. Can you come to come over for the church is near you? One that shocked me. He said, Fred, 
I want you to know something. For me, I was only a temporary Baptist. I said, what's the meaning of temporary Baptist? Ah, he said, if you watch, I come with the first bus which leaves campus about seven. Then I go back with the last one which arrives at campus at five. In between, I can do all my shopping, visit my mother, collect money, and go. So I was a temporary Baptist. I said, eh, so you won't come to say, oh, no, I wasn't. He said, those 82, 83, we passed this uh, missionary's place. They give us Kool-Aid. They give us food. They give us wheat. You sit down and eat all of them. So this person was not in church. And some of them were not in church because they loved Christ and they wanted to follow. They were in church for stomach direction. For stomach, pure. They were fake Christians. Fake. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Then the Lord opened my eyes that there are people like that. There was this lady, she left this church and we're all crying about her. Then I, she, I heard she went to another church and I was so excited. When I saw her, she was pregnant. Then I said, oh, when did you marry? Who married you? I said, where I went, they don't do those type of things that you people do here. I said, ah. So you went there and found somebody who married you. They said, I regret to tell you that it's somebody's uh, husband. But he also agreed to marry me. Hey, he agreed to marry you. And you two, you agreed. He said, after all, it's a child I want. And a man is a man. I'm fed up. Hey. So some of you, people who come to church who are fake Christians. Fake men. Fake women. Because they want you. And when you are praying, when the anointing drops, when the fire is hot, they will leave. They will leave because they are not comfortable. When the truth is splashing them, they will leave. So, oh, this church is too no. They are too no. They are too no. They are too no. When you take them, give your tithe, give offering. This is what the word of God. Oh, the word of God is called. Because they did not belong in the first place. Pray for them. Jesus said, teach them, treat them like Gentiles. And when you are in the word, the Lord will show you. So, continues in church and has not come. I've seen people in church. Here, the man come and say, Pastor, I'm sorry. I've sinned against God and sinned against the brethren. So what have you done? Say, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I fell. And the lady is pregnant. Uh, I have choice. I can commit abortion. I know how to do it. But I won't do it. Like, I just want to be disciplined. I'm sorry. I want to stay with the law. I want to be forgiven. I say, hey, you talk like that? Say yes. Because I'm a child of God. And I know I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against earth. Those people, we send them to Jesus Hospital. That's why we are not too keen to, to announce some of these things. Because the person himself, he feels it. He knows it. He has sinned against God. So, he said it. Give me the next verse. So anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. They do not make any habit of sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. They said, this man is a brother. He, the first time somebody got pregnant through him, accident, second time accident, third time accident. Why? What type of person is that? What, what, what's his problem? He continues to sin. And you tolerate, you don't discipline because you are all Christian. We are sinners saved by grace. God have mercy on you. You continue in church in the fellowship and you remain because dwelling in Christ means the landlord has rules 
about those who live in this country. We are a free country. But if our laws are working properly, and you break traffic laws, you steal, you forge, you are free Ghanaian, free passport, national identity card, national health insurance, have all the papers. If the laws are working properly, you will spend the rest of your time in prison. And you will know whether you are free to continue or not. Let's take the last one. A person experiences the continuing presence and anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to emphasize or re-emphasize that. The continuing presence of the Holy Spirit. God says, I would never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always up to the end of the age. That is when you know you are in him. There are changing scenes of life. And the hymn writer said, Through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God and King, I'll do what? I'll forever. I'll forever be my portion. There are times when, like Solomon said, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to gather, a time to scatter, a time to be strong, a time to be weak, a time to remember, a time to forget. We go through all of these things, but through it all, the saints of God can say, I am, I know the Lord is my shepherd. He takes me through all, and He's with you even up to the end. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. Hallelujah. And that is the story of dwelling in Him that from the beginning to the end, He dwells in us. Friends, what would be your response to the word of God? What's your reflection? Why is John saying all this thing? Why are we talking about dwelling in this? Dwelling in him. It's simple. First John is a practical book as I said. And he wants you to know. No matter how big you think you are. Remember. You don't own the world. You don't own yourself. The landlord is coming. If you are. Is coming. You may be your own landlord in this world. I mean, in this world, meaning you have a house. <laughs> you don't pay anybody rent. Is that not why we say you are a landlord? Uh-huh. But he says, First John 2, 28. Can we read it together, please? And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Mm. You'll be full of what? Courage. And not shake back in shame. So two things will happen. First, there'll be some who'll be so ashamed and so embarrassed. Because what you thought you were hiding, nobody saw. God saw you. He plays that video back to you. He doesn't need a lawyer. He doesn't need any forensic scientist. He saw you. Your hatred, your unforgiveness, and your pomposity and your pride that were not asking for forgiveness. But there are some who through thick, through thick and thin, serve the Lord. They are faithful. It's been tough. It's been tough, but they've done their best. They've used their gifts, their talent. So are you going to have shame or joy? John says the reason why he's telling you is to know that there are two parts in this world. Will you have shame or joy that the choice is yours? Secondly, if, you, if, if because of what we've said today, 
you know you have fallen short of him. First John 1, 8 and 9. We stopped. We didn't get there. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But when we confess our sins, when we repent, and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I don't love the brethren. Lord, I'm living a double life. Lord, this and that. I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, if you say all of those things to him, because his light is shining on you, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Would you do that today? And he will fill you and use you to overflow you. Will you commit your life to him? Say, Lord, 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 